0: To the Hoosie podcast with me, Phil, and on this edition, we will be talking about the Jodie Whittaker era uh, with two very special guests, which is Stephen Shapansky from Radio Free Scaro and Erica Ensign from Verity, amongst other podcasts. But first, it's books. Now, I was recently sent a copy of the Temporal Logbook Three: Changed Lives which is a collection of short stories featuring each of the doctors with a forward from Chang Li himself, Yi Yiji So, and is released by Pencil Tip Publishing. Now, those of you who listen to this podcast will know that I'm not really a fan of short stories. I've often thumbed my nose at the short trips range from Big Finish, mainly because I enjoy full cast audios, but also that I don't feel that the constraint of the short story format really works. So when I was sent a copy of this book to review, I stilled myself to read in a format that I don't particularly enjoy. Oh, how wrong could I be? Um, the thread through each of these stories is how the Doctor changed the lives of those he or she meets. Um, sometimes it's for the better, sometimes, well, it's not. And I have to say, I found this approach for each of the stories to be really strong. For instance, the fifth Doctor story, These Unwelcome Guests, written by Luke Dyer, features the Doctor and Turlo tracking down Dodo some decades after the Doctor left her on Earth at the end of The War Machines. And without spoiling anything for you, it doesn't pull any punches when it comes to describing the the mental state that Dodo was left in after being controlled by Wotan. And it also perfectly captures the essence of the fifth Doctor. And it gives him an interesting aspect to this Doctor's character that we haven't seen before once he realises what he's done. Uh, another standout for me was the 11th Doctor story, The Last Tomb, written by Alison Winter. For a start, it made me realise just how much I miss The Eleventh Doctor and also Amy and Rory, and even River Song, but at its heart, the story is about loneliness and how people cope with being disconnected from their loved ones, and being perfectly truthful, it actually brought a tear to my eye, which is something a book has never ever ever really done to me before. I also enjoyed Technical Advisor by Matthew Kressel, uh, which featured the third Doctor and Liz Shaw, who returns briefly to The Doctor after Joe Grant leaves for the Amazon. Now, the reason for Liv Shaw coming back into the fold is that someone is making a movie about an invasion of Earth that the Doctor and Liz thwarted. And you guessed it, the Doctor is the movie's technical advisor. And of course, all is not what it seems. Now, if any Doctor was going to have a movie made about one of their adventures, it would be the third Doctor, uh, Dashing and Debonair. It makes perfect sense for this particular Doctor to be put on the big screen. And I found the idea really amusing. Now, while I have singled out these stories as highlights to be fair to all of the authors who have co- contributed to this book I personally found each story to be a highlight I can honestly say that for me there wasn't a bad story amongst them it was like opening your presents on Christmas morning each one was a present you would ask for each individual story captures the essence of each doctor perfectly you've got the short-tempered first doctor the bohemian fourth doctor the brash sixth doctor the arrogant tenth doctor the behavior and dialogue is spot on each time and it each story fits their character perfectly. In fact, where I mentioned the short-tempered First Doctor, his story, uh, Something at the End of the the Lane by Kevin Mason, highlights an aspect of the First Doctor's personality that was only briefly shown on the TV, and that was his compassionate side. Without spoiling anything, there is a part of the story where the Doctor is genuinely saddened for Barbara and Ian, and feels that he's sort of let them down. It's something I was not expecting to be explored in the short story, and this is something I've found to be in each of the stories in the book. There went to places I wasn't expecting, and I certainly, you know, within the confines of the short story format. And this is where I have to congratulate each author and the editor of the book, James Sylvester. Not a single line or word is wasted. And with short stories, I suppose this is imperative. But this means that each story moves along with purpose. And without avoiding the cliche, they were proper page turners. So if you enjoy reading short stories and you're a Doctor Who fan, you, and you should be if you're listening to this, I think you, should, you will all really enjoy this book. And if you enjoy Doctor Who from any era, there is something here for you. Or even if you only enjoy the show post-2005, I think the stories featuring the first Eighth Doctors will entice you in. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you will know that I usually find something negative to highlight. Well, prepare to be disappointed. There is nothing in this book that I did not like. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it, and I think you will too. In fact, I currently recommend this book highly enough. And coming from me, the grumpiest man in podcasting, you know I'm not lying. However, there is also another good reason to put your hands in your pocket and splash the cash, as all proceeds from the book go towards the charity Settled, which assists displaced people in Europe find a home in the UK. So get online and buy a copy. This really is a cracking book to read, and you'll be helping people while you do it. And a link to purchase the book and to the Settled website are in the show notes. hi everybody so now we're going to discuss the Jodie Whittaker era of Doctor Who as we as we all know Jodie has moved on to past as new um, along with Chris Chibnall as well and um, well obviously it's been a bit of a uh, how can I put this a bit of a a tenuous time uh, in fandom um with 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 uh, with jody's appointment as the doctor and why is that why why was that so contentious for, for so many people so joining me now to discuss this we have eric renson from the verity podcast and steven schepanski from radio free scarrow guys welcome back to the show thank you thank you so much thank you very much hello Hello, hello. So it has been a while since um, since you've been on here. We were discussing that before we started recording. We have no idea when that was. We just left it as a long as a long time. (laughs) Best not to think about it. Time
1: means nothing to me.
0: (laughs) Well, um, now I think um, obviously I don't think we've spoken at all since um, Jodie Whittaker was announced as as the thirteenth Doctor. If if you Mm -hmm. go in for the the numbering and everything, Um, so. Obviously, this was a big moment in in Doctor Who. Really, it was our first woman cast in the role. Um, and when you saw this, I mean, what was your initial reaction? What were your sort of, how can I can't put, sort of hopes or for the show or sort of direction you thought that the show would go in? I think, Erica, I'll come to you first on on this. <laughs> what was what, what your your initial reaction, and what did you your, you think direction the show was going to go?
1: I, I mean, I had been hoping that they would cast a, a woman, but I, I'm not sure I truly believed it would ever happen <laughs> because I'm enough of a pessimist. So when that announcement happened, it hit me way harder than I was expected. Like I, it, it, obviously, you know, I knew I was going to be excited and I was happy, and as soon as I saw like the hand, and I was just like, "That's a woman's hand," mm. and it. I I knew I was going to be happy and I was, but I was also I just felt like I'd been hit with a hit by a truck. The the, the emotional reaction to it was way stronger than I expected it to be. I completely broke down in just like <laughs> racking sobs and not of you know just like joyous sobs, but also just these. I think I was processing emotions that I didn't even realize <laughs> I had been repressing, and you know that was I think that was the moment where. I th- I think I had talked a good game previously about how important it is for uh for people to see themselves reflected in the television media that they mm-hmm. that they enjoy. And that's there's a difference between knowing something and really knowing it and like feeling it and experiencing it. And I think having the experience of seeing myself reflected in the doctor, this character that I loved since I was four years old, was far more overwhelming um, than I had expected it to be. I was just a wreck for a while, (laughs) but I mean, in a good way, but also in like, I was, I was wrecked. So um, I think for the first little while, I didn't have any hopes or dreams or expectations. I was just, I was just rocked back by the existence of it. And for a long time, that was, that was enough for me. Um, I, I think my biggest fear was that, that they'd screw it up and do a really bad job because it's it's one of those things where when you have the first woman or the first person of color or the first anybody to to lead a franchise or to even just be featured on a television show or in a movie or something it's it's one of those things where oh gosh, we have to do the first. So now this person has to stand in for literally everybody else of of that type (laughs) of person. And it's just such a huge, such a huge weight. And I think... I think I had unrealistic expectations, not expectations, hopes, in that everything would be absolutely letter perfect from beginning to end and not give anybody any chance to complain about it or ensure that, you know, like this will never happen again because they did such a bad job. Um, So that was the fear side. I think the hope hope side was just I was just really excited that I was going to get to see a woman in the role of the doctor and that honestly in and like they could have screwed literally everything else up and i probably still would have found a lot of joy in every single one of those episodes um but i don't think they did but uh stephen what did (laughs) i'll turn it over to you now
2: i i i think i mean i was looking forward to it i was hoping that they would finally cast woman in the role Uh, i think that the public pressure had been building i think stephen moffat had laid enough groundwork uh Definitely, in, yeah. in, in the in the episodes leading up that I don't think Chibnall had any choice but to cast <laughs> a woman. Uh that was his I mean to to Chibnall's credit that was his Who's his plan anyway? Was planned the whole the whole time. Mm. It was it was powerful to see um women everywhere on the reaction videos and mm-hmm. and and uh, little girls saying like yeah. I remember this a uh, a listener to Radio Free Scarrow sent in a video of of his like 4-year-old daughter And um, you know, because to her, woman is mummy, and she goes. She turns the camera after she sees Doctor Who's a mummy, and and I just (laughs) that was just so precious, you know, to see how, as you were saying, how many people now see that the Doctor is now representing them directly. They don't have Mm -hmm. to make the connection between I have to sort of cheer for this male figure and sort of Mm -hmm. find. Yeah,
1: like, we're all good at that. We've been trained to do it since we were friggin' born, but it's nice to not have to. It's
2: nice to not have to. And so I felt very, very happy for everyone who, you know, because I'm a white male. Everything is targeted towards me. (laughs) I've never had that feeling. I've Mm -hmm. never had that feeling of not being represented and then finally being represented. Mm -hmm. And seeing those reactions through other people's eyes was was really heartwarming for me.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when... um when it was when she was announced um during a break in wimbledon the wimbledon men's final yes. i think yep. uh, ironically the uh, the wimbledon men's final um as well uh, to to announce the the new, the new female doctor um yeah i think you, you could have heard a pin drop in in, mm-hmm. in our house actually um i mean my my wife jo has got no real interest in doctor who um at all but i th- it's just one of those things it, it's like um how can I put it? It's almost sort of like, you know, a, a new monarch's been being crowned in the <laughs> yeah. UK. You know, we're getting a new doctor. It's, it's an exciting time. And, you know, and I think now to have the um, to have a special like that, which, I don't, you know, they didn't do for Shooty Gap, unfortunately. But um, yeah, just as you know, just to see that little promo video with the the hood up and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And and actually, it's interesting. You said, um, Erica, you saw a hand for That's a Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got it from the walk.
1: Ah, mm-hmm. I
0: got it from the walk. I said, they're trying too hard to look like a man. I said, I said, that's, a wo- <laughs> I said, I said, that's a woman. And Joe was no, no, it can't. And then she pulled her hood back and there was mm-hmm. Jodie Whittaker. Um, yeah. And then Joe just went, Oh, it's her. I like her. I thought that's <laughs> it. We've got another doctor <laughs> who fan. <laughs> 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 yeah. So that, that was it. So, um, but of course, um, with all the the euphoria and excitement, and everything that there's always the, how can I put it, the, you know, the, the the downside to it. That the you know the people who point blank refuse to accept her as the doctor. Yep. Um. And I mean, what what's your what's your your take on that? Because I just find it dis- disappointing personally. Because it's a show you love. Um. And obviously, there's been eras of a doctor. I've not particularly enjoyed. I mean, I'm I'm not a fan of the McCoy era, but. You give it time, and they'll, you come back to it, and the you know the next doctor will, will hook you in again. Um, but then you had these people so you know so rigid um, in in their expectations for you know for, for the show, and mm-hmm. just say I'm not going back, to Doctor. Who. I'm done with Doctor Who now. That's it. I'm done. Finished. Um, mm-hmm. Which is just weird. So what what's your what's your take on that? I mean, what what's the what, did you have that similar kind of reaction in in North America? Or was it a bit more sort of accepted and laid back?
1: Uh, I don't think anything's accepted and laid back in Doctor <laughs> Who fandom. <Yeah. laughs> it was, I mean, it, it may have been a little bit more uh, intense and vocal in the UK, just because I think in the UK Doctor Who fandom itself is more intense and vocal because it's mm. it's it's a little more baked into the society than it is in in the states. Like there are I, lots of yeah. fans on, in North America, but it's not. A part of society in the same way because
2: you're lucky to be able to find another Doctor Who fan. It, it doesn't show up in the tabloids either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is, I no. mean, drives a lot of it in the UK. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I think the reaction to any new Doctor it always says more about the people reacting than it does about the show itself. Uh-huh. Um, because with you know with every Doctor there's always going to be somebody who's who's angry about it. Oh no, Peter Davison. He's that young kid from <laughs> from All Creatures Great <laughs> yeah. and Small. Like oh, or you know Matt Smith. He's only twenty seven. Twenty six. I've never even of,
2: seen him anything what are we doing he's like the he's show's gonna, looking, gonna or... die after David Tennant was so popular Christopher
1: Eccleston <laughs> yeah. what how can he be the doctor he's wearing a leather jacket oh no this is going to be a terrible <laughs> yeah. reboot like you know there's always that reaction but I do feel like it was on mega steroids uh for mm. for Jodie Whittaker because I mean the, well, just like Doctor Who might be baked into UK society, sexism is baked into North American society <laughs> yeah. and probably UK society too. I think it's um, baked into
0: every society, actually, yep, basically. yeah. Basically, yep. Yeah,
1: pretty, pretty deeply. So, so yeah, much a much bigger hurdle to to get over for a lot of people, and I think. Uh, You know, just learning just how deeply ingrained that sexism is uh, was was a little bit of an eye opener for a lot of people. I wasn't surprised. I mean, like I knew Mm -hmm. I've I've been dealing with this Mm. forever. But yeah, yeah, it just, you know, it became big. It became vocal and it was really not unexpected. It was exactly what I expected it to be from, you know, the. The The hopes that eventually they would cast a woman as the doctor and knowing that there would be fallout and there absolutely was. Um, and, you know, some people did just jump off and, and not watch again. Some people did that during the Matt Smith era, too. Some people yeah, did that yeah. during the Peter Capaldi era. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably a lot more and for worse reasons in this case. But, um, but I do also know that people... Uh, Some people who were very against it in the first place, you know, thought about it and actually had some really interesting self-reflection and came to terms with it and then ended up watching and really enjoying the show. And I think that, you know, that might be a small segment of Doctor Who fandom, but I think it's really important to recognize that even the people who are at first really vocally opposed to something for reasons that, you know, of course are very spurious, um, but... you know, people can change. People can recognize that sort of thing, and and if nothing else, this era of Doctor Who has, I think, really helped open the open the hearts and minds of <laughs> some of Doctor Who fandom, and I think that's super important. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I, to get I, all I, goofy, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well, no, do you, do you know what? I, I th- I've just remembered that because uh, again. Um... Listeners, I'm referring to a a post-show or a pre-show conversation, sorry, um, about the last time I was at Galley. And it actually was just after Jodie Whittaker was announced as the doctor because Mm. we had people cosplaying as her there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there was that um, there was that fantastic photograph that um, that was taken there. That little girl dressed as I mean, how how did she get that? Costume together so quickly, um, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, there's, there's that photo of her running towards the camera with a big grin on her face. She's so happy, mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of one of my abiding memories of, um, of 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 being there. Actually, was, was you know was um, was that, and it, it seemed to be that everybody just sort of welcomed Jody, particularly at mm-hmm. that con with with open arms.
2: I, I think the, I mean, uh, you know, flashing to, for, what was it, 2018 San Diego Comic-Con, which is their first sort of unveiling, because the the, ser- the first series is going out in October of that year, yeah. Yeah. And then they went to Comic-Con, and mm. that's where they properly unveiled the new, t- the new TARDIS team, Chris Chibnall, everyone else, and just the... uh I, you know, everyone remembers the the fashion show later that night after mm-hmm. the Doctor Who panel, where it, you know it was um, uh, Ashley Eckstein who is who does the uh, the fashion show, and then and then suddenly so oh we have one more person to show off the new Doctor Who outfit or something like that, and mm-hmm. this unseen woman with a hood over her head sort of, you know, is walking down the aisle, and there's a building sense of, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, is it really? Is it? No, it can't be. (laughs) It is. And she throws her hood back, and it's Jodie Whittaker wearing her outfit on the thing, and the entire place erupted. And I think there was such um, a huge amount of love and support there. And kudos to, like, I don't know who okay, to BBC America or hot topic or something but like the costume itself mm-hmm. you could buy the whole costume that's
1: right real fast off the
2: rack mm-hmm. and so you didn't have oh. to like scour forums to see what you know tweed was being used for this and that so i think it became an instant cosplay hit knowing that anyone could sort of dress up as you know mm-hmm. the 13th doctor and yeah. so it was neat to see at conventions you would just see you know armies of thirteenth doctors, uh, in, <laughs> in in store bought stuff which is great. It's fine. It makes it accessible, you know. And I think yeah. there was a I think that kind of helped build her image right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's Yeah, so. it did. It did. I, th- I think that was the same thing for um, Capaldi as well with with his doctor and his costume because it, you could just. Pick it off the shelf if you wanted to. You mean you yeah, could you hunt recreate around. it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, which is what I loved, um, mm. and that was my first ever foray into cosplaying was was as Capaldi. So, I remember, um, yeah. yeah, so it was, um, which which is something you can't do with, say, like Peter Davison or Colin Baker. It, it's you've mm. it's tailor made. <laughs> Very exactly, Taylor you know. Yeah. yeah, so so I think just to open up for just for people, just about uh, just sort of grab wherever they came from off the shelves to to make the costume, I think it was a fantastic idea. Um, it really is. But anyway, um, coming back to back to um, Jody Whittaker, um, I, I keep saying a full name because a lot I know um, a lot of people just keep referring to her as Jody all the time, <laughs> and that and that was another thing, wasn't it? Really? Um,
1: Yeah, because how often do you refer to the seventh... Well, Sylvester is one that you might actually say. But you
2: don't say Tom, you don't say Peter, because it could be Nanny Peters. I know it's... uh...
1: yeah. Yeah, Chris... (laughs) <laughs> Although, uh, actually, one of our one of our very good friends, uh, we got her started watching Doctor Who during, I think it was either during Matt Smith's era or she started with Matt Smith during Capali's era. I can't remember which it was. And, yeah, yeah, she was not at all plugged into Doctor Who fandom. And she just called him Matt, Dr. Matt. Like, that was just... <laughs> Interesting. Uh, was, and I, it, it felt very weird to us as Doctor Who fans to be like, you don't refer to them by their first name. And yet... We, I found myself referring to Jodie Whittaker as Jody, and that like really started to bother me that it was such a natural thing to do mm. because mm. she was a woman where I didn't do that with any of the uh, with any of the other doctors
0: yeah, well, that, yeah, yeah. sorry Stephen go mm.
2: no I I mean you're right It, it, it is kind of you know it, it sets her apart as oh that's the woman doctor so we'll call her by her first name mm-hmm. but also you know it's kind of it's, and this sort of ties into maybe a, a complaint that I have about the era as a whole is that they they tr- almost tried too hard to make her not a woman, you know? I think they made her, like, an asexual doctor more than a woman doctor. And so mm-hmm. I kind of like focusing on the fact that she's female because I mm-hmm. don't think the show did as much as they probably should. You know what I mean? No, so... that,
0: do, do you know what? That was something I was going to sort of touch on a bit later, but then, <laughs> then you've brought the <laughs> subject up. Segway. I, I Same figured we were exactly. going to go
2: chronological a little bit, but yeah.
0: No, no. It's, uh, no, I think the... Um... I, I find it so. Sort of, I've tried to explain this before, and I think I'm very. I find it very difficult to to articulate myself with this. But I think, um, I think to, I, I almost taken on opposite views to because I I think they they should have made it more of the um, the doctor who happens to be a woman rather than it's a woman who is the doctor. Mm-hmm. If, if if you if you see what I mean, because um, I, I just didn't get the especially in the, in the first. The first series I didn't get the the feeling that she was allowed to be the doctor, if you see what I mean there wasn't any sort of grandstanding um scenes as such it wasn't getting into any sort of like physical scrapes and I mean that happened right. a bit a bit later on, but I think that I, I found the first series a little bit subdued. With, with, mm-hmm. with that regards, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, what was your? I mean, when when we finally did see Jodie, um, I've done it now um, on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what what were your initial reactions? Was it this instant hit with you, or did it take a, a bit of a, a while to sort of? Because it was completely different. Everything was different, wasn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it, it, you know, it was. It wasn't just the lead actor; it was the music. Yeah, um, the visuals, the, sort of the right visuals everything, everything. Yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, um, which I, I really love the music. I love the, the score throughout um, um, George Whisker's era. But, but anyway, but what, what were your initial reactions to it?
1: I, you know, I thought, and, and don't get me wrong, I love all of the Doctors of, of modern Doctor Who, but I, I, I honestly. Well, until Peter Capaldi came along, he was he was definitely different. I found them too samey. Uh, hmm. When David Tennant regenerated into Matt Smith, it took me a few episodes to be like, okay, where's the difference? Yeah. Like these,
2: the, <laughs> like enthusiastic it, youngster yeah. is like yeah. the uh-huh. default. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah and. And I feel like when you go back to, like, the classic series, which I am wont to do, um, (laughs) there's a lot more, there's a lot of difference. Like, when you think of it as, like, a bumpy road, like, there's more ups and downs in terms of difference of personality. Like, there's just stark changes. So I actually really liked the Doctor in the first season here um, uh, uh, of the, the Whitaker Doctor because she wasn't. Doing grandstanding, she wasn't over the top. She wasn't getting angry. I was like, finally, we get a little bit of a difference. Not every doctor is like that. Not every doctor mm. does those things. So I was, I was excited to see something different. However, the timing of it was a little bit, uh, just made me you know kind of clutch my pearls a little bit to be like, oh, like I'm super glad that we are getting a doctor that has this slightly more mellow personality. That is something that I've wanted for a while it's a little uncomfortable for that to be the first woman who is playing a doctor uh you know she's she's a little bit better at getting along with the fam you uh-huh. know mm. her her she's not you know the doctor's never super duper empathetic but she's a little bit better uh, about that than other doctors and it's like that's great i love to see it also she's the first woman doctor is that is that a good choice to sort of lean into the stereotypical idea of of femininity is it is it a misstep because this is the first woman and we're going too far in that direction. There are just, I, I don't think I've landed on any uh, idea as to whether I'm super happy or super sad about it. Cause it is what it is. And you know, I had to take it as it mm. was, but mm. I, I definitely found myself watching way more closely than I probably would have otherwise, because yes, she's the first woman as the doctor. And I do know what you mean, Steven. They, they did not, I mean, ex- with the, Exception of the Witchfinders. Like, mm-hmm. that's basically the only
2: episode. Written by a woman, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's mm. the only episode in that whole series that ever really lands on, oh, you are presenting as female, therefore you cannot do the things that you are expecting to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, that could have been a very interesting thing to just tackle from beginning to end, but I think they wanted to play it a little more safe and just be like, no, 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 this is just more Doctor Who. And you are just getting to see the Doctor do a bunch of stuff, so we're not going to lean into that we're not going to give her a, a dress or leggings or something like that yeah. as her costume mm. it's going to be something you know which i appreciate is something that you know basically anybody of any body type can just throw on and wear and that's always that's always a nice thing but there are so many choices and so such deep thought that had to go into this and not everybody's going to agree with all of those choices and i was so nervous about it that it was just one of the most stressful seasons of doctor who i think <laughs> ever because i was like oh what are we going to do when it comes to jodie however and here I'm doing it again. Yep. <laughs> um I I feel like she she nailed the character of the doctor from the beginning. Like as as soon as I saw her land on the train <laughs> the woman who fell to earth I was just the way that she was was acting and interacting with people and responding and talking to herself and talking fast and then talking slow and I was just like okay this is a version of the doctor 100% I see it Mm -hmm. right away and I enjoyed watching her do her doctory stuff and I was actually pleased that we didn't have to like I know everybody was like oh when's she gonna get her big speech when does she get to be properly angry I was like I don't need to see her angry that's not something that I'm looking for as a viewer I know a lot of people are and she eventually kind of got that but off the off the beginning, I was I was pretty pleased with the the characterization, but I was worried about it at the same time. If that makes sense,
2: I know what you mean. You're waiting for the first thing that uh, you know general fandom might use as a you know something to kick essentially yep. like that and uh and and it, it was kind of tough to watch cuz think oh fans are going to hate this stuff oh they're going to be upset about this and... i know
1: and i'm i'm kind <laughs> of mad at fandom for mm-hmm. making me watch that, that making me watch it through that lens with that that level of worry i yeah. have not gone back yet to to rewatch uh, you know, I've seen most of the episodes multiple times, just because I would try to do that before I podcasted about them. But I haven't gone back and sat down and rewatched starting from from that season. And I know one of my Verity co hosts, uh, I think Tansy, has has started to do that. And she said that she is finding it a completely different experience than watching it for the first time because she has shed that baggage, and she is actually enjoying it way more now, and 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 recognizing a lot of. Doctory touches and a lot of things that she just hadn't noticed because she was so tense watching it before. <laughs> and it's, it's, she's like, it's, it's way better than I thought it was going to be. It's, it's much better than I remembered. So I'm looking forward to, to going back and relaxing and watching and being able to enjoy without. The tension.
2: It is a tough. Uh, here's, here's a Doctor Who podcast. You're complaining how tough <laughs> it is to watch Doctor Who, but you know when when you're in the business, so to speak, of watching something to review something mm-hmm. on a podcast, you you view it differently. Yeah, and, mm, and also, I mean, honestly, the the be, speak personally uh, on Radio Free Scar, we've always uh, uh, dropped our episodes on Sundays, mm-hmm. and. Doctor Who being on Sundays now, uh, made Hmm. for a a stressful uh, series of Sundays, especially that first season. I think I was, like, busy working or something on, like, five of those ten Sundays. And so, like, just working to cram and to watch a thing and watch it, okay, and then we review it, and then you move on and it's the next mm-hmm. week and you don't really go back. And and mm. it's, it's I would always try to cram in two watches. The first one I said, this is for me. I'm watching this yeah. one as a fan. But oftentimes it was just like sometimes it's difficult to do that. Uh, and you're right. I I look forward to going back uh, for a lot of, of modern who, which I haven't really gone back to watch, but especially the Jody Whittaker era. Like, you know, there are there are elements of, of later seasons that I'm going... I don't remember anything that ha- that happened in that episode <laughs> of like Doctor Who. Flocks. like I'm thinking, what the fuck? What happened on that episode? I literally have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you're right. I, I think when when you look back and, and see the, you know, just from the outside world, just isolated from from eternity, so to speak. I think <laughs> I, I think that first season, um, which might have seemed safe. To me.
1: It felt safe the first time.
2: Yes. It did. And yes. maybe it still will feel safe, but it, it almost feels like they a Doctor Who's done this a lot in the modern series. Like I think Stephen Moffat in you know, trying to present Matt Smith as the next doctor after a wildly popular David Tennant Mm. sort of like overcorrected saying see he's the doctor he's the doctor see he's walking through David Tennant's face he's still wearing David Tennant's outfit he's still Doctor (laughs) Who and then realizing very early on that he didn't have to do that you know and Mm -hmm. then like oh we have to like get Matt Smith to phone uh, you know Peter Capaldi because Peter Capaldi's (laughs) wildly popular man, you know and like Mm -hmm. Peter Capaldi won everyone over well the
1: everything he was going to win over a a lot of people yeah yeah, Yeah.
2: everyone just like oh no one's gonna accept an older man and like within minutes Mm -hmm. there's a huge massive chunk of Doctor Who fandom that were already in love with him and they didn't have to worry about it. And I think the same thing got to happen with Jodie. I think they mm-hmm. they wanted to say, that you know, instead of saying, like, you know, uh, you know, we can have a woman doctor, they almost said, like, anybody could be a doctor, even a woman, you know, and they never really focused on her being a woman doctor as mm-hmm. opposed to just anyone can be a doctor. So it's good, mm. it's okay, those of you in fandom who never wanted a woman as a doctor. And they, like I feel like they were kind of trying to appease mm-hmm. those people perhaps a little more than they were to sort of celebrate the fact that the new doctor's a woman.
1: And you know what? I do think that that probably worked because mm-hmm. I think that, uh, and this is me guessing because I am not one of those people that was worried <laughs> about a woman playing no. the doctor, but I do think that, that not leaning in to the the feminine tropes and the femininity and stuff probably did make it an easier sell yep. for a, a good portion of people. So I have to say that for, you know, however I personally feel about that choice, Chris Chibnall did the thing that was the best for Doctor Who as a whole. Mm-hmm. To, you know, I have a lot of complaints outside of the writing of the show about the promotion and that yeah. sort of thing and like letting oh, it fall yes, off. Yes. The, uh, yeah, but yeah. in terms of the show itself and the way that he put it together, I feel like it was it was pretty decent in terms of doing the things to to please as much of the audience as possible and keep sort of keep people on board. I mean before when he was announced, even before we knew about uh, Jody Whitaker, when Chibnall was announced as the upcoming showrunner, the the thing that I was just immediately shouting from the rooftops was this guy knows how to do characters. He knows how to write character interactions. He knows how to make people who are who are interesting and who bounce off of each other in interesting ways, and and that sort of thing. And that I think it was his his huge success in that first first series. It was you know you have the whole. It, Graham, I mean, okay, yes, he absolutely fridged a black woman in the very first episode, which was not great. Right. Yeah. Um, but the 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 writing of of Graham and Ryan dealing with that grief and dealing with each other. And I don't care what anybody says. I think that Yaz was, was perfectly written like note perfect for me as a viewer uh, in, in that very first season, I got exactly what, uh, what Chris Chibnall was, was laying down and, and I thought it was fantastic. And I just thought all of those characters, including the doctor were, were wonderful. And that was what I was excited about from from his announcement, and that is exactly what I got. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't particularly love the stories themselves, with a few notable exceptions. You know, the the style of the writing. Yeah, it's very different. You don't, you're not getting puzzle box stories like you did from from Stephen Moffat. You're not mm. getting the you know, grab your heart, rip it out of your chest, throw it on the ground, light it on fire, stomp on it a few times, like you get from Russell T. Davis. No, it's a totally different style of writing, and that's not for everyone. But I think it was for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, yeah, yeah. So I liked that
0: yeah I, I think the um i think that, that that first series obviously there were sort of a, a couple of sort of outstanding episodes with rosa and, and the demons of the punjab which yeah. i think top, tops everybody's um, list really um mm-hmm. but one thing i have to say about rosa um it didn't need the space racist really um <laughs> I, I i just i just re- i was really hoping they would just go for a pure historical um and they just, you know, like they just get get caught up in events. Um, and yeah. yeah, so when the space races turn up, which didn't really affect too much. Of, I suppose he did affect the plot like I said, as I wrote it. But um, I just thought he wasn't required, if you see what I mean.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He's okay. kind of like he's kind of like the superfluous uh, Doctor Who monster in the late '80s. You know, like the yep. husks and ghost light. It's like, a, yeah. well, we need we need some monsters or something mm-hmm. because otherwise the kids won't watch. We need a villain or something like that. And uh,
1: yeah. it did. It felt like that. It also felt like maybe another step toward playing it safe. Whereas had it been a pure, full historical covering a very important moment mm. in United States. Uh, history of of racism and then the civil rights movement, uh, that you probably have more room to screw things up. Whereas if you bring in an alien element, something science fictional, then you have made the story more fake and it's a little less nerve wracking in terms of getting the writing right yeah because
2: otherwise you might you might stumble into the reason Rosa Parks uh, refuses to move is because of the doctor and then you know it's dangerous if you don't have Mm -hmm. something that she's trying to fight against you know And that's always, you know, because I mean, heck, they've been trying to do that for any ancient history, for, from the pyramids to whatever. They go, oh, it's obviously aliens, or or yeah, right. you know, something <laughs> else has done that.
0: So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Like Stonehenge is another one as well. That aliens yeah. definitely built that, according to some people. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So, um, so we got to the end of that that series. I think there was. Um, yeah, and I, I must admit, like, you know, like yourself, I haven't revisited. Um, actually, I don't revisit a lot of modern ho. If, if I'm, if I'm being perfectly, yeah, um, perfectly honest, <laughs> yeah. So it's always, always, you know, go back to the classic era if you want to call it that. But, um, but I think when it comes to series two, um, obviously we had resolution um, in between, which I thought gave mm-hmm. us some um, a murdering Dalek. It was nice to see him being a genuine threat again. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I I really did enjoy that as a um as a story. Um but then obviously we, we get to um sort of Spyfall. Um and I I do it's I I don't know what it is for me personally, I think they just sort of up their game a little bit. Um I mean I love the, mm-hmm. the bit in the casino with the Jodie Whitta going snap when they're playing poker or whatever it was or the roulette wheel. I thought that was mm. that was um, that was, i I'd love that moment. Um and the master as well. Um which was I must admit I didn't see coming. Um and I think, well, did you think it was a, a good idea to bring back the master quite so quickly um as well and make him a, a, a man again?
1: You know, I would have said no.
0: <laughs> yeah. But
1: then, then you look at Sasha Dewan and you go, Oh no, we do we need him as fast as yes. possible. Yes. And we need him doing <laughs> as much as he He's can. So good. Yeah. He's
2: so good. It's it's almost <laughs> upsetting that I liked him so much as O. Yes. In the episode. And I was just yeah. really looking forward to having Sasha Dewan as this, as this sort of, you know, disgraced uh, secret agent. And they go, oh, you're going to be in front of the doctor. And then uh, suddenly he's the master. They go, no. Oh, that <laughs> goes well.
1: I think, I mean, I, I do feel like just I haven't really even, you know, looked back at the, you know, just the, the titles of the stories and in the, in the seasons. And I'm now, you know, scrolling between uh, this, the, the first season of The Whitaker Doctor and feeling like, oh, yeah, that was it. It feels cozy to me, and mm-hmm. I like that. I like cozy Doctor Who, and and I really just in, enjoyed it. There were definitely you know standout moments, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, honestly, I'm going to tell you, my favorite episode was the Serenga Conundrum in that first season, and I know I'm probably alone, but I don't care. <laughs> I loved it. Um, so yeah, so that that type of Doctor Who is like I just I really enjoy it. And then I'm just you know skimming through the titles of of uh, the second season, and yeah, it definitely does feel bigger Mm -hmm. more eventful which is you know that's great too that's that's it's good to have all types in doctor who and and i do think that uh bringing the master back fairly quickly was probably a smart move when it comes to once again thinking about you know the the thousand mile view the big picture what does chris chibnall need to do to make sure that fans stay interested that you know yeah, obviously he wasn't really going to promote the show, but the, pro- the show can kind of promote itself when you have the master coming back, a character like that, uh, and then played by, um, yeah, it's back to a man, but it is it is a man of color mm-hmm. so which yeah. and, and especially in in the uk like uh, the uh the population um the dynamics i think make it really important for for someone of his uh, his ancestry to be on the show as a major and main character so i think it was i think it ended up being a smart choice had you asked me like beforehand i'd be like no 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 don't don't do that mm-hmm. and and then yeah. he did and it worked
0: <laughs> oh yeah big time <laughs> I just thought Lenny Henry was a little bit wasted though, because I mean, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because he's a massive star here, and I I grew up watching Lenny Henry uh, on on telly. Um, I think he he did, when I was a kid, he did the. um, It was on TV on Saturday was at a prank called Tiz was, um, and he was a hero to so many, so many kids. Um, And he he did the pantomime um, at the Lewisham Theatre, and I remember somebody told me he was at the Catford Shopping Precinct. Um, and Lenny Henry was running round the cafe shopping precinct, handing out donuts to people. <laughs> so, wow! <laughs> and was, what, what a guy?
2: <laughs> wow! Yeah, what a And guy. He just wanders. He just wanders off off screen, basically uh-huh. at the end of Spyfall. We just we just thought, oh, he's going to be back probably season Valley mm-hmm. or like the some Christmas special later on, but. Never, nope.
1: did. And I, and Never did, and and that's I feel like I am looking forward someday to mm-hmm. the, the the writer's tale of this era, whether it's from Chris Chibnall's perspective or somebody else's, or if we get five of them from different perspectives, I'm in. Um, but I would I would be interested to know, like it because it did feel like that character was going to come back, yeah. And I know that because of COVID and all of the chaos and and stuff that happened, oh, yeah. maybe there were plans for that, and they had to simply be dropped because of of stuff that happened, uh, you know, behind the scenes mm-hmm. and. in in the BBC and and just whatever uh, because Mm. I did have that feeling but it is kind of nice knowing that he's still out there like that character (laughs) could like RTD could bring him back (laughs) and you know I wouldn't put it past him like, that's, that's definitely a possibility, because, I mean, yeah, Lenny Henry is not as well-known on this side of the pond, but because, you know, we are such big Doctor Who fans, mm-hmm. we watch a lot of British stuff, and we know who he is. I mean, we just watched uh, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere the other day, we watched the whole series, and that was co-created by Lenny Henry. So, yeah, like, just watched right. him in yeah. the Rings of
2: Power, Lenny Henry's in that, yeah. so... Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So he's 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 growing in popularity on this side of the pond. So I feel like, especially with the Rings of Power, like that's a huge show. Maybe that will you know shove shove him in front of RTD's face a little bit stronger. Maybe it will do. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I think the um, and obviously I think what my favorite episode from that um, from that series uh, was the Haunting the Villa Diodati, which I thought was. Absolutely fantastic! I really did, okay. um, and it, and it wasn't until after I was I was reviewing it for the for the podcast, it, it just dawned on me that the um, the Cyberman in that the lone Cyberman was basically a Frankenstein Cyberman. Um, he was made up of different parts of of sort of different eras of Cyberman, and it only sort of dawned on me whilst I was whilst I was reviewing it. I didn't actually see it um, when, when I was watching it, and and it's such an original idea um, because. Well, yeah, they're basically are Frankenstein's monsters, aren't they? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah hmm yeah. e- Erica went mm you for some, you weren't as big a fan of that one as uh, it was
1: I was fine. it just yeah. like again, Doctor Who is not always for me. It should not always be for me uh that episode was for so many of my friends that is a, a constant favorite right. but that's i mean probably my favorite was either like the very first episode of Spyfall mm-hmm. and not the second one um
2: because you love <laughs> beginnings for one i but, do uh, yeah, yeah i do love yeah, beginnings
1: yeah. uh or like and and i'm taking fugitive of the dune out of the running because that was just epic on so many levels mm-hmm. like that th- th- it almost doesn't count it's it's like a special stuck tucked in the middle of a season <laughs> right uh, yeah. but i think mine was like nikola tesla's night of terror like also i just good. Also that's yeah. That's, yeah. that's the kind of story that that i like just running around we got to there was a shot of canada i mean
2: Niagara <laughs> <laughs> falls yeah no. canada in the background yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, my favorites are almost always going to be like the, the the just the the random ones that are tucked in that just feel cozy to me that's what no. i like <laughs>
0: No I I think the um obviously we, we can't discuss um series 2 um of, of the Whittaker era without mentioning the timeless child can we so and now, now this re now if if casting a woman in the role of the doctor um didn't tear fandom apart as it is um this I think finished it off to be <laughs> honest <didn't Yeah>. it? <laughs> um Aww. I mean what what was your um what, what, was, what was your sort of take on this when you first saw the A, A we had Joe Martin um, as this other Doctor, which we sort of led to believe was was pre-Hartnell. And then we got this division um, plot strand started as well. Um, and then the Doctor isn't even from Gallifrey. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean that, that's um that's that really has sort of set the cat amongst the pigeons, um to, to coin a, a, a cliche phrase there. But um yeah, what what was your initial reaction when when all this came about or did you or were were you like me thinking oh, the fans are gonna love this?
2: I I mean anything that messes with uh fans vision of continuity is uh is a thing I'm in favor of cuz I
0: <laughs> I You I, evil man
2: <laughs> very much becoming more of a troll. What uh, I mean Peter Capaldi starting referring to the character as Doctor Who during his time and so I've started doing that uh, a lot because uh it, it upsets people and, <laughs> and I love it. Every time that Jodie Whittaker clearly briefed by BBC America PR people saying Doctor Who fans are called Whovians and she always referenced Whovians uh, throughout the whole thing. I didn't know that British people don't like that term and that makes me laugh and so I want to keep calling people Whovians. <laughs> so it, at, at first I was thinking, yeah, this is hilarious. People are going to, oh, look at the brain of Morbius Doctors and other candidates and stuff. You, you know, we, we, for decades we've been sort of thinking, oh, no, 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 that was obviously Morbius and uh, that was his, his previous <laughs> uh, regenerations. The doctor was just teasing him and stuff like that when he's winning the whole time. And then I started to think about it, and thinking, well, you gotta pay this off somehow. And maybe, as you alluded oh. to, Erica, maybe there was a plan for that in the third series mm-hmm. before COVID came along and wrecked everything. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's see it's controversial now, and I'm not too sure how much will be um kept in the can and now that Russell T Davies <laughs> just like Stephen Moffat sort of decided oh you know what uh, some stuff uh that, that you know oh Amy so no longer remembers like uh, Daleks moving earth uh, across the universe in Journey's End mm-hmm. because of the crack in time has basically erased anything we don't like that happened before this and kept everything that we do so maybe they'll do the same with the timeless child i don't know
1: mm-hmm. yeah i was yeah. I, I was i'm enough of a crusty old fangirl that i was angry <laughs> i was i was one of those people that was like, <laughs> How, uh I hate it when they mess with canon. When they brought the show back and Gallifrey was destroyed, mm-hmm. I was so mad at RTD. I was like ready to spit nails. Wow. And yeah, like this is. I, I <laughs> you was, were a
2: different person in 2005. I was a different person in from 2005. What I it is true. Yeah. So
1: my, my gut reaction, my visceral initial reaction was no, please, why are you doing this? Um, and I think. <laughs> A big, you know, part of it is yes, just I'm a crusty old fan girl, and I have trouble with change. Usually I get used to it pretty quickly. With this, when I thought about it, I, the thing that I didn't like about it was making the Doctor special. That was, that, mm. was, the, that was the piece mm. that just really stuck out to me that I didn't like because one of the things that I've always loved about the Doctor was that they're a character who is, you know, a person from this society who decided this is not the way that society should be. I'm going to take off and do my own thing. And like, you know, the Cosmic Hobo version of the Doctor has always sort of been my favorite because, you know, that's I don't know, aspirational. It's like if I'm not yeah. comfortable doing what I what I'm doing, I can go off and do something else. Anybody can do it. And again, you know, talking about Jodie Whittaker being a woman as the Doctor, anybody can be the Doctor. I liked that feeling. And now Suddenly, we have the doctor. Not just anybody can be the doctor because we don't even know where the doctor's from. The doctor is extra special. I mean, toward the end of the Sylvester McCoy era, we started getting, you know, hints of, oh, the doctor is actually more important than we think. He knew Omega and <laughs> yeah. blah blah blah. And yeah. I hated that. I hated that so much. I was not into any of the kind of new adventures stuff, making the doctor into, you know, the, you get the the other and looms and all Times that. Times
2: champion yeah. and all this stuff. I, yeah. That yeah. was
1: absolutely the opposite end of where I centered myself in terms of of my love for the doctor and for doctor who and I felt that this was leaning into that in a way that made me uncomfortable now I do feel like it has some redeeming value in the fact that it's it's basically an adoption story and I think that that has played really strongly on the emotions of people that I know who were adopted and it's like that's that's a piece of it that I think is is really valuable and I appreciate. So I'm I'm you know trying to just hold both thoughts in my head at the same time, which is you know that's that's a pastime for Doctor Who fans because mm-hmm. we've got canon all over the place. It's not really canon; it's more just like it's a confetti canon. Really, it's what Doctor <laughs> yeah. Who is because uh, there's little bits everywhere. So I it, the fact that it would never went anywhere it makes it even harder to sort of deal with but on the other hand i think that's better because now as the show goes on anything can happen with that we have the the fob watch and it's just hanging out in the tardis mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know when when we got uh the fugitive doctor for the first time joe martin i mean let's hurrah for having not only a woman but a woman of color as the doctor that right. was amazing i was so excited but f- before the timeless child I was slotting her into the mythical season 6B. <laughs> Thank <Me came>, you. <laughs> yeah, she actually came between Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee, and like that's what I was kind of hoping for. And I was really excited about it. And then when that turned out to not be the case, and it is, the, she was pre-Hartnell as, as that episode. I mean, Fugitive of, of the Jadoon mm-hmm. does make it sound like she's pre-Hartnell, and yeah. of course, now we know that she she is. But. The master revealed all of this to, to our doctor, Jody mm-hmm. Whittaker's doctor, in basically a PowerPoint presentation. And anything can be rewritten in Doctor Who, mm-hmm. like you were saying, Stephen, you know, bring in the crack. Or RTD could, if, if he decides he wants to pick, like, touch this at all, he or some future showrunner could point at it and be like, oh, yeah, that was all bunk. And none of, none of that is, is actually quite the way it is. It's really this way. So, I mean, th- I'm not overly worried about it at this point. I have gotten over it. Mm-hmm. I have relaxed. I have remembered that Doctor Who has changed things so many times, and it's just going to change them again. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what my, my, my gut reaction is when I rewatch The Timeless Child and see how I feel about that. But... Uh, I'm, I have learned to come to terms with a lot of things in Doctor Who that I am not <laughs> fond of and this is just you know another piece of that
2: right It'll, we'll park it next to uh, you know I'm half human on my mother's side uh, right the TV yeah. movie yeah. that we just don't feel ah, blah, 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 you just lie you just, you're just lying to get into the thing there to that mm-hmm. uh, that event that's all he's doing so yep. don't worry about it
0: yeah exactly well yeah I think th- I th- I th- it's that whole what will the ordin- audiences accept and I think they're looking at we were talking about The Eighth Doctor they were looking at a North American audience and they just thought it "Was Spock yep. he had to be half human that, they thought mm. that worked so we'll do the same with The Doctor well yeah no need really but yeah. uh, anyway that's that's been dealt with
2: <laughs> that's been
0: dealt with um, yes I, I suppose really um, I suppose Chibnall finished what Andrew Cartmell started really with um, sort of like you know sort of like <laughs> which, making which the... is
2: ironic given the uh, contempt he had for that time I of... know <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly, I think he should he should be made to watch that on on a continuous loop. I think, <laughs> <laughs> although
2: maybe actually no, because he's complaining more about Pip and Jane Baker, and, yeah. and then I, mm-hmm. I, he's probably like punching the air once uh, Samuel, someone like Andrew Cartwell came in. I maybe, bet. maybe,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I feel sorry for Pip and Jane Baker. But um, yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So obviously we we had that, they, and and then they committed the cardinal sin for me, um, Erica they blew up Gallifrey again.
1: Oh, don't get me started. I will just scream. (laughs) That's going back to the
2: well one too many times, isn't it? There's no real need Mm -hmm. to destroy Gallifrey. Yeah, and there was no. no
1: like at least when RTD did it in the first place, it was you know basically Gallifrey was fridged mm. in order to give the the impetus for uh, you know the ninth and tenth Doctors to be emo and moody and stuff. Uh, here, what does it do? It just mm. takes the Time Lords out of out of play and gives us some really cool looking Cybermen. I have to admit, but yeah. <laughs>
2: like and a cooler guitarist oh. set, uh-
1: <laughs> and it gives the Master <laughs> way too much power. Yeah. I'm it sorry, does. the Master should not be able to destroy Gallifrey. That's mm-hmm. one thing that I'm just like mm i feel like whoever whoever takes this on later be it in a big finish or in a book or on television they're going somebody someday is going to fill in the gaps and be like oh yeah that wasn't actually the master he was there he was involved but he didn't actually do all that here's how it really happened folks right. and i look forward to that <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you know what i i really hated not hated that's that's too strong a word disliked the um the cyber lords or or cyber masters what you want to call them because um it was the the little peacock fan on their head (laughs) and do you know what the first thing i thought of when i saw that londo malari
1: oh my god yeah
2: it's true it's true
0: (laughs) i see it now i Mm -hmm. see that
1: now
0: yeah
2: yeah i thought they're old i I agree
1: I agree, They're they're silly as all get out, mm-hmm. but I yeah. I I enjoyed the like. I mean, it sort of sp- spoke to me a little bit in terms of the uh, the uh, the um, TV movie master. You know, I always dress for the occasion. We just like yeah. it was. Yeah, I, I I always dress my Cybermen for the
0: occasion.
2: Yeah, I I bought that. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we'll come on to that because I, I I think a lot of people didn't. Um... Well, I think a lot of people enjoyed the power of the Doctor, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get, mm-hmm. get to it. So obviously, we've we've, we've oh, we know we have another New Year's Day special, which which again didn't really. Oh, I don't know about you guys, but um, we never used to have specials at Christmas for Doctor Who, um, and when it became a thing, it's something that we look forward to. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody would stop what they were doing and certainly in my house, I don't I think because they didn't have a choice really because Doctor Who was on so <laughs> we were going to watch it whatever was going on on Christmas Day. Um, but when it moved to New Year's Day, it didn't, for me, didn't have quite the same impact. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I do about you, about, about yourselves with regards I, to that, with the I, New Year's Day special, I miss
2: the uh, the complete upending of Christmas Day and trying to cram in a watch <laughs> of, the, of the Christmas special before running off to a Christmas dinner somewhere.
0: Yeah. Uh, I kind of miss that <laughs> panic chaos. Uh, and chaos yeah, yeah. and
2: stuff, and it wasn't there this year. And then, like New Year's Day, like you know, uh, like stuff. New Year's Day isn't as much of a uh, a day off because there'd be like hockey games and stuff on New Year's Day and everything else so, like I think I had to work a game on New mm-hmm. Year's Day uh mm, when Revolution of the Daleks came out and I'm like I had to, to work on New Year's Day and there's a Doctor Who episode here and this is dumb and so <laughs> yeah I I missed I missed the Christmas specials I don't mm-hmm. think I uh I realize how much I missed them until they were taken away from us.
1: Yeah, same. I mean, uh, Christmas specials are certainly not a thing for any television show on this side of the pond. No. So it took mm. a while as a Doctor Who fan from North America to even really understand what it was. It's like, oh, we're getting a special episode of this just for Christmas. That's that's cute. That's interesting. And then to learn that that's just sort of a, a thing. Uh, in in UK television, like, oh, this is this is this is kind of cute. But I. At the time, I was not a big fan of the Christmas episodes because I was just like, oh, here we go. We got to have something that's light and frothy because everybody just wants to sit down and drink with their families and watch Doctor Who, and there's going to be some Christmas trees or some Santa or something. And then, when they took them away, I realized, oh wait, maybe I actually had that had grown on me enough that the the, the again coziness of of those to- sorts of stories, like I, once they they shifted, at, I was excited at the news that they were going to shift to be a New Year's yeah. special. I was like hmm. punching the air, like yes, I don't have to do you know, five different things all on Christmas Day to try to fit everything in. You know, pod- Stephen's right, podcasting and watching Doctor Who and having, you know, multiple family dinners in different cities. And yeah. it just, like, it was it was a lot of chaos. But and you I was, felt
2: alive, didn't you? Didn't you feel alive? <laughs> yes.
1: But, yeah, then the first year where it was on New Year's Day, I was just like, huh, this is, you know, it was still fun and it's still a special episode it still felt kind of one-offy so you could just sort of dive in but it didn't Mm. have the i don't know the the coziness i did appreciate you know sort of taking out the christian iconography that we get in a lot of christmas specials like that was that was something i never particularly needed but then i found out that i sort of missed the commercially
2: christmas bits of it (laughs) in a way like killer santa's and everything else snow and yeah Mm,
1: so it wasn't it, it didn't it hit me in the heart in the same way, and it didn't feel, you know, I felt it felt like it was trying to be event television, but going against the grain, going against, like trying to swim upstream to get to be event television in a way that just never quite worked.
2: I think that's sort of as you know customary, like just moving to Sundays nights, yep. trying to mm-hmm. become event yeah. television. I think trying to be like you know mm-hmm. Line of Duty, but in space in a way in terms of uh-huh. public appeal, and it never. Quite yeah, it's like Doctor there. Who
1: is not Game of Thrones. No. It shouldn't try to be. Like that's that's not the the type of television show that it is and and I feel like I yeah, I ended up missing Christmas specials in a way that I was absolutely not expecting mm-hmm. to so i would like to see them come back um and and yeah the the new year's day special was an interesting experiment and i appreciate doctor who yeah. experimenting with things inside and outside of the the show itself but i don't think it was a particularly successful one
0: no no me neither actually uh now talking of whether it's a, a successful or unsuccessful experiment flux <laughs> oh bless. yes Yes, bless, bless, flux. Um, so obviously, this is the first time we've had like that—that that shortened um, episode run, um, mm-hmm. as well, which, <laughs> which again made made the fans go crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, they were filming under difficult circumstances, obviously with with COVID. So we were lucky to get any Doctor Who at all, really. Um, mm-hmm. So I think to complain about it is a little bit uh, disingenuous. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I felt there was a lot cut from that a lot of it didn't make a lot of sense while it looked great and there were some good episodes in there as well um i just found it a little bit disjointed which i thought was a shame because they were trying to do something really epic Mm -hmm. there um and for me it didn't quite they didn't quite pull it off
2: i think something happened i mean covid messed so much. It's funny yeah, watching yeah. some TV shows that were shot during COVID and going, "Why are there? Why are they eating in you know on, on the uh, in the canteen on Star Trek Discovery?" And there's two people. Oh right, there's only two people in the room because of COVID. <laughs> yep. you know, yeah. there's all sorts of things that just had to be moved around and shifted and stuff. And I think something. I mean, just even speaking to Matt Strevens, the producer, and Jonathan Watson, who played um, the Sontarans in uh, in the War of the Sontarans, Something happened between the first production block, which is episodes one, two, and four, and mm. the th- second one, which is three, five, and six, that I think threw everything out the window because everyone, like uh, Matt Strevens is sort of saying, oh, yeah, and then we had script delays, a lot of script delays. And Jonathan Watson was saying, you know, like, oh, well, you know what? Hey, don't go too far because we might have you back later on this season. I'm thinking, if you don't know how to end one complete story arc in a mm-hmm. season and you're still, like, mm. writing characters in, it feels like. You something mm-hmm. is not being planned or some plans have fallen through. So I think the first three episodes made Halloween Apocalypse, War of the Sontarans, and Village of the Angels are top notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um They're and, solid. And and after and the other three I think are really just trying to wrap stuff up like the last episode the vanquishers is, is like 60 minutes long and they tie they try to wrap up so much into that it's mm-hmm. it's yeah, way too don't... much there's no pacing to it it's just like no we, okay we got to no. close this we got to close that we close that uh kevin mcnally we don't have time for a scene for you so you have to die uh you know and it's <laughs> like it just it it rattles on and at the end of it you're going what, you just, know, happened? what just happened they, like for the first half of the season they're in this cool set with the floating little triangles and stuff. And mm. then the the last scene, the climactic scene, is quite clearly shot outside on a corner with a staircase uh, mm-hmm. of a museum or something because the set's gone or something and they need to shoot outside because of COVID and they had to sort of like really CG up that, that whole area of Mm -hmm. the final uh, confrontation between the doctor and, and uh, the two sparkly people uh, that (laughs) I remember watching that.
0: Swarm (laughs) and azure. There you go. Yeah, There we go. And I
2: remember looking at that going, Oh, something, something wrong happened. And I Mm -hmm. kind of, I, I give a lot of uh, leeway for anything shot during COVID because of just the Mm -hmm. rampant uh, difficulties that, that must've ensued, especially that that was all shot pre-vaccine. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for the most part. And so like just having to avoid everything and just being super extra careful. But yeah, I think something really (laughs) happened in in the making Mm -hmm. of that, that just kind of didn't end nearly as well as it began.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, I've heard people say, and this is, it's valid to say like, well, I, you know, this is what ended up on our screens. So that's what I'm going to judge. I'm going to judge the thing that I had to watch and that's fine but that like i'm a doctor who podcaster yeah. i don't do that <laughs> um <laughs> i i also have to think you know and and with any piece of of media like i'm it, it, also taking into account the situation that that produced it like that's mm-hmm. just the way that my brain works as as a critic of media these days yep. so so yeah i definitely view flux through A different lens than than much of the rest of the the show like just like you know i view the like the annis lloyd era through a different lens because it was (laughs) freaking chaos (laughs) this is also freaking chaos of a different flavor and it is interesting to me as a, a viewer to see what ended up on the screen as a result of all of this this chaos and like how well did they pull it together was it possible for them to do better i'm sure had other choices been made yeah, but that's that's not what we got. Nope. Um, so so yeah, actually, I hadn't even thought about it. Like that first production block versus the second production block. When you when you actually Stephen stated out, the, these are the episodes before, and mm-hmm. these are the episodes after. It's like oh, that does that does make sense because I do remember being at the most recent Gallifrey one in the audience when you were uh, in, interviewing um, Jonathan uh, Watson, Jonathan Watson, and yeah, and how he said that. That he you know was doing the the beginning of it, and they liked him so much, they decided to then bring him back later. And I remember my jaw dropping into my lap at mm-hmm. that point in the seat because I was thinking about it, like, wait a minute, you mean the scripts for later Flux were not nailed down when they were shooting the beginning of Flux? Yeah, that is that that ain't good. <laughs> so, no, no, it's I know. Not. And,
2: and and they rejected. I, I remember because uh, the passenger, remember the passenger mm-hmm. guy, yep. and he had this mask on which you could freely and easily get from Amazon. I know because I bought that exact mask. exact mask. And (laughs) I posted a photo of myself wearing it at Galfer 1. I wear a screen-accurate representation of the passenger. And the person who played the passenger uh, on screen Hmm. actually tweeted back at me saying, yeah, we had that because they rejected the original costume design literally the day before they were going to shoot it. Wow! So Ray Holman had to essentially order something off of amazon that yep. would get there the next day and make it a costume mm-hmm. this is the kind of chaos that was going on that's in that incredible second half. yeah yep. you, you really yeah. don't
0: expect that from a, from a modern 21st century tv production do you
2: well, you don't expect to see it. I imagine it probably no. happens a lot more than we expect. <laughs> but uh, the fact that you could sort of like see the lines, like I think uh, um, it, the Mandalorian, the, the Mon Calamar, the, the Admiral Akbar people yep. wore a. <laughs> I ate an Amazon sweater, which Steven also ordered. <laughs> a cable and Amazon <laughs> sweater, which you can get on on Amazon. It's
1: a nice sweater. It's but a nice yeah. sweater. It's but... like I am cosplaying as a fisherman <laughs> from Montgomery. <Moncormor. laughs>
2: exactly. So I think it happens a lot more than we think. But uh, but yeah, I think I think Flux uh, exposed the uh, the lines a little more.
1: Yeah, and I mean the timing of it was just like it being not just whatever other production delays were happening, but mm. also COVID on top of it. Because I feel like maybe COVID isn't all of it. Maybe there were some other. Other things happening because it's like it really felt like un- unfinished untied up like was yeah. this great and i feel like you know they had an idea for a multi-part story i don't remember exactly how many episodes they were originally sort of thinking of, of aiming for and then having to cut it down and mm-hmm. i mean in the end it sort of felt like as you were saying phil like it just disjointed like this is here's the outline for what we wanted to do for the second for the back half of flux yeah we're giving yeah. you the outline we you can't have the full the full book mm-hmm. you just you just get the the outline and some of the, the pieces of the outline got erased <laughs> sorry <laughs> like that's that's just what it felt like yeah again i, thought... I look forward to the tell all i want to know <laughs> yeah, what exactly. went yeah.
0: wrong because I'm, I'm not entirely certain um and i think it's been discussed in plenty of other places i'm still not certain um whether the universe was restored or it's still three quarters missing at the end of that i don't, I, I, don't I don't
2: think anybody think knows anybody knows <laughs> even Chipno even probably doesn't even know <laughs>
0: yep.
1: which and in a way i kind of love that mm-hmm. um like okay so if you are going to have to end up the, the your run of the show with so much chaos that you're not even able to 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 tie this up i'm kind of happier with it left open than him closing that off really quickly with like a tossed off line because now this actually opens the door for whoever you know rtd or anybody else to insert their own version of what happened to like because i'm pretty sure that the universe is going to come back in one way or another because mm-hmm. this is Doctor Who and the doctor needs to be able to travel all over the place and if Chris Chibnall had added a scene that somehow put a pin in that um it might have been a really awkwardly placed pin that just keeps poking and it hurts uh so <laughs> instead to to leave it unpinned unbuttoned and mm-hmm. open then somebody can come along and you know to really tortured this metaphor, sew on some very beautiful buttons that are, you know, made of, like, you know, Mother of Pearl and, like, you know, button it up very beautifully and elegantly and nicely in a way that, you know, Doctor Who writers have been taking bits and pieces from previous eras of the show and running with them. This is a huge gaping hole that could absolutely... be fascinating i mean who knows maybe a future incarnation of the doctor actually traveled back to this time and it was you know the (laughs) the 18th doctor that actually got the universe back for us and we just haven't seen those adventures yet you know? Or maybe
2: it was the 10th Doctor, and that's why he's the 14th Doctor, maybe. and we find it out in the first five minutes of the first David Tennant <laughs> special. Yeah. yeah,
1: and any of that, I think, oh, is hurts. more interesting <laughs> yeah. as a Doctor Who fan. Any of that is better than just you know tossing off a line or having one scene mm-hmm. to, to try to close off something that's that huge and that vast. Um, I, I actually salute Chris Tidnell <laughs> for, for not closing that one off because it's too much.
0: Yeah, I think people do like everything wrapped up in a little bow at the end of each yep. series. That there? no, you know, there's no questions left unanswered. It's yeah, it's got to be as you say, buttoned completely down with mother of pearl buttons. So which, which we're not going to get. Yep. We're not going to get it. Nope. Um, so obviously, I think the um, I think wasn't it? Even the Daleks was the last sort of um, New Year's Day special. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, which I, I enjoyed for the uh, for, for the most part. But the thing that got me at the end, when it was the the next time trailer, was we saw a sea devil again, and both Scott and I just looked at each other and just went, "It's a sea devil!" Like that. Right. Um, which my my daughter and my wife would just say, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh you're not we. you wouldn't understand. It's but, an so. unconvincing
2: yeah. alien creature from 1972. <laughs> Get with yeah. the program.
0: <laughs> Which
1: is slightly more convincing now. Look at those eyes. I know,
2: the <laughs> eyes move. That's what made it look great.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so that was um when 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 I saw that I was massively disappointed and again it just it was very choppy and rushed. Um <sighs> I, Literally I, chopped. It. I mean, yeah. it was
2: basically a contractual obligation episode in a way. Because yeah. originally it was going to be The Power of the Doctor, probably airing in April. Yeah. And the BBC said, actually, we want to do a big Doctor Who thing for the centenary in October. Uh, and so, okay, well, we'll put Power of the Doctor there. We'll take an unused script from the original Series 13, essentially, and try to fashion that into a uh, a thing. And what what's frustrating about that in many ways because it wasn't a very good episode mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. um, is that the the Thasman thing uh, mm. if we we can approach that which I really liked and it was kind of like look, looking forward to see how that was being paid off you can quite ter- clearly tell also from what Matt Streben was telling me at Gallifrey One on stage is that you know, it was like Jodie Whitaker and, and Mandip Gill sort of saying, Hey, wow, the fans are really on board with this Thasmin thing and like, you know, maybe having the doctor. And, he has and they were like, a
1: Thasmin? What the heck is that? They... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was not a, not a plan. And, and everyone
2: was like, Oh, now this is going to sort of. And you can quite clearly tell that they probably found out about this towards the tail end of Flux. And did not have it in mind at all for the power of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And mm. so wrote it in and finished it off in The Legend of the Sea Devils, mm-hmm. never to be mentioned again. And so that, that's kind of sad, because I think we were kind of looking forward to maybe proper closure to, uh, to that scene with Yaz and the Doctor skipping stones on the beach. But that's it. That's where it, yeah. it, it mm-hmm. exactly ends. And, uh, and that was kind of disappointing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It, it, I did find that a bit odd. It just like a knee-jerk reaction to to fandom, and usually they they shy away from anything fandom wants That it usually it's so bonkers you, you wouldn't go in it with a barge pole. So um, yeah, so to actually address it, this is something the fans want. Um, mm-hmm. But as you say, then waste waste the opportunity. Um, yeah, that that was that was that was bizarre. That was really bizarre. Um, I
1: feel like it was a. The- that's another difficult line to walk. I mean, Chris mm. Chibnall has has really he he did so much behind the scenes to bring in diversity in terms yeah. of the directors and the writers mm. and the actors and and all Definitely. of that and I feel like he he genuinely was trying to push this show to a more progressive place when it comes to reflecting the world as it actually exists and yeah. I think that this was another piece of that like I actually am giving him credit for this because mm-hmm. when that was brought to, to to him and to Matt Stravins like hey the audience thinks that Yaz and the Doctor should be a couple he did he decided not to completely ignore that which he could have very easily done, and instead of ignoring it, he recognized that in modern Doctor Who, people ship the Doctor with companions. That happens a lot. And, you know, oh, God, yeah. the entire first RTD era is, you know, the beginning <laughs> of it is basically yeah. like a like, people who are new to Doctor Who thought they were watching a romance. Like that's literally what they thought they were watching. And for them, that's exactly what it was. There was mm. there's no question that whether or not you actually ship, you know, ten and Rose, there is a very deep emotional connection there on screen. And to to find out that the audience is seeing the same thing mm-hmm. between the 13th doctor and Yaz and to just not not address it not do anything with it i think would have been a bit of a disservice i think i think addressing it in any sort of a way was really important to just be like you know the doctor can't Obviously, the Doctor is never going to be able to settle down with with a companion, because that's just not the way that it works. But to at least put it out there as, this is a thing that I can't do because, because of who I am, because of the life I lead, and not because queer romance shouldn't be a thing in Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. I think it was really... You know, it maybe didn't go... Okay, it definitely didn't go as far as a lot of people wanted it to, but the fact that it was even taken seriously by the show just, I think, to me, means a lot. That, that that's that's a thing that the show was willing to put out there and say, you know, yes, I'm having feelings for you. Yes, maybe I'm also having feelings back, but it's not going to work great. And, you know, as we get on to the way it was sort of, you know, handled and, and finished off at The Power of the Doctor, for me, mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. I thought it was... A, I thought it... I am one of those people who was a complete (laughs) Yaz defender from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. I like quiet characters who do not always have to be in the spotlight. And I feel like the way that Yaz was written from the beginning and the way that she dealt with, with feelings and people and coming to terms with what she wanted to do with her life and all of that kind of stuff. I feel like the the power of the doctor perfectly encapsulates the way that that character would follow on from the events of a legend of the Sea Devils and their their you know sort of pseudo relationship talk. There, I am. Yeah. I am maybe one of the the only people, but I am really really happy with the way that the Thasman thing was handled. Okay. I love it.
2: It feels like let it uh, let it be the Beatles album, which was sort of like the breakup of the uh, Beatles that was actually made to be for um, Abbey Road, but came out after. That's what Legend of the Sea
0: <laughs> <the laughs> Devils feels like to me. <laughs> well, now we're on uh, to on to Power of the Doctor. Um, while the how can I put it? I, I just saw it as, as a series of sort of like vignettes really that strung together to make an hour and a half episode of, of Doctor Who, but I absolutely adored it. I think it's probably the most that <laughs> it's the most fun I've had watching Doctor Who uh right? in a mm. in a long, long time. Um I was a bit of a commudge when it comes to the Rasputin dance. <laughs> oh I <laughs> loved, it. I, loved I have, it. I have have softened <laughs> to that <laughs> since then. But um yeah there, I mean there was so much to um to, to enjoy in that. There, there really was. Um and the, the biggest I think surprise was to see some older doctors in there as well and also interacting with their their companions of the time. Mm-hmm. As well, which I must admit almost um, sort of brought brought a tear to my eye. Really, I'm getting
1: misty just yeah. thinking about it right now. There was yeah. some great <laughs> stuff yeah. in
0: there.
2: I mean, did we did we love it because of the 80s hat tips, or did we love it because of the closure of the Jodie Whittaker era?
1: Yes, I think the answer <laughs> yeah, both. That both. is both. Is, yeah. It was is, both. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. totally I both. Mean,
1: before before we dive too much into the plot, there, I I just want to finish off my thoughts about the Yaz and the Doctor mm-hmm. in that. I feel like in that scene where they first meet um, Tegan and Ace Mm -hmm. and Yaz finds out, you know, yeah, we were you several decades ago. Like that moment right there is, I think, a perfect follow on from the conversation that they had had in uh, Legend of the Sea Devils. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, Yaz is wrestling with these feelings. You know, the doctor's not sure what to do with it. And then Yaz finally, it's like a, you know, blast of cold water in the face like, oh, this is... This is actually a real thing that the doctor lives for thousands of years. Yeah. And, and, This is this is, you know, there have been other people before me and like you can just see her. Oh, my gosh. She's just Amanda Gill is such a great actor. Mm -hmm. And the way that she starts to emotionally sort of close off even more than she sort of already is. And then every scene where you get little bits and pieces throughout that episode, it progresses a little bit farther and a little bit farther. So that at the end, people were like, let them kiss. And I was like, no, Yaz wouldn't do that. Yaz is she is such a. Like she is a person who who kind of deep down knows what she wants and she's not sure if she wants to go for it. And she's just I, I love her character so much mm. that at the end is she's realizing this is a thing that's not going to happen. The doctor is not even going to be this doctor anymore uh, very soon. Uh, I need to go move on with my life. Like she's she started mm. to move on with her life. I think in that very first scene with Tegan and Ace and and it's basically just that the re- the decision is being reinforced again and again till we get to the end. And she had they have that quiet moment with the ice cream on top of of the TARDIS, mm-hmm. and it's just I mean to me it's the perfect the perfect goodbye, and it is a perfect follow on to everything that Yaz has been and done previous to that. She's just such a together character in a way that we don't always get in companions. Sometimes they're they're kind of a mess, and I feel like. Yaz is not messy, and I love that about her.
2: And she has her own demon, like in uh, in the in flux, where Mm -hmm. like we learn that she ran away from home and like you know Mm -hmm. suicidal thoughts and everything. And she's she's overcome that to become. the person person that that she she is is.
1: yeah so she's she thinks about herself and her actions and her life in a way that not not everybody does and Mm -hmm. it very much resonates with me so i just i thought that that was was perfect so even even without all of the other stuff in that story that i really really liked Mm uh that that piece of it was was just great as far as i was concerned
0: yeah i mean I, i didn't care at all um the, the fact that it was just so full of nostalgia and, mm-hmm. and you had that little scene with Yaz and the doctor. Yeah. The, yeah you say you all that nostalgia way through it. Then you had this little quiet little scene them both sitting on the roof of the toilet having an ice cream. Um, I just thought it was, it was a nice, a nice little scene between the pair of them. Um, mm-hmm. And it, and it did, as you say, it, it just drew a, a line under, um, under what, what was, what was going on between the doctor and Yaz there. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it worked really well. You you don't have to have the you know the, the, the swelling strings or, or, or you know of an orchestra <laughs> yeah. you know for, to, to, to to sell a scene. It was it was a very quiet scene, which um, which I, and, which and, I really and- enjoyed.
2: I did too, and uh, I know that some people like saw a behind-the-scenes photo of uh, what they thought was the Doctor and Yaz like having a nice hug on that there and in mm-hmm. the front of the green screen and stuff like that. So we could have had this and there. says, That is Jodie Whittaker and Man Dip Gill having a hug. Yes, In, they're in people. between shots. Yeah. That is yeah. not a shot from the episode. Cut. no. <laughs> please, please draw the line between characters on a show and actors who are friends who are playing characters on the show, because <laughs> yep. we saw the latter, folks, not the former. Yep.
0: <laughs> well i mean i think obviously we're getting to the point where uh, actually another thing to mention from the power of the doctor is the companion support group at the end as well oh, um oh my oh. god oh william russell come on my my word <laughs> uh there were a
2: lot of tears in this house Holy when we molly. uh when we saw that scene there just seeing like everyone like uh i i, I saw william russell first in why shot. i was like oh my god yep. is that william russell yep. um yeah you know, almost 60 years in between appearances on Doctor Who, which is astounding. Um yeah that was such a great song. yeah and then when it comes back to
1: him that was like I I had I had been weeby in and out mm-hmm. like through the entire story because like as soon as we you know the the, the bits and pieces with with the, the two companions getting some closure with their with their classic doctors was just oh that hit me and then mm-hmm. seeing the, the the all of the, the classic doctors that we had um, you know in their robes except for the eighth doctor because he doesn't do robes uh, just <laughs> that like right. that was just like I was getting choked up at that and then yeah you get the the, the shot where it's just like is that William russell and Mm -hmm. then then there's the close-up and i just like that was when the tears really started to come out and i was i was finding myself just randomly sobbing for like a half hour after that episode was over because it was just so beautiful it's just like (laughs) i can't believe we got to see all of those people we know now that ian had a life and was still you know living living large Mm -hmm. enough to be able to show up at a support group
2: and and not having not being able to tell anyone for basically since london 1965 <laughs> yep. that he had seen these amazing things and it's finally <laughs> and suddenly, finally he had a support group to uh, talk to people about this just oh, so dear.
0: good i didn't see bonnie langford there as well which i thought was was uh, lovely yeah, like, how, did, how
1: did you get back we don't care at some point
2: it's yep. fine it's fine
0: Love it. yeah now who, who do you think the empty chair was for
1: The funny thing is, is I didn't even notice, like, I I. I have set up for lots of meetings. And honestly, you don't count the number of people who are going to show up. You just put out a bunch of chairs. So, chairs. so, So my thought was just like, yeah, there's an extra chair. Big deal. And... When people pointed that out to me, that oh, there's only you know one uh, empty chair. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that's that's actually kind of probably a beautiful nod to anyone and everyone right. that could have been in that chair. But I absolutely
2: did not read it that way on the first no. viewing. <laughs> it's an empty chair, folks.
1: I mean, <laughs> sometimes an empty chair is just an empty chair. But I like the idea no, now no, I, it, it that stops to whom yep.
0: there is no for such it. thing as an empty chair. <laughs> no, <laughs> there is.
1: You're right.
2: <laughs> on on that chair was the frog uh, And... <laughs> <at the> <laughs> of It takes you
0: away quite clearly. Oh yeah, people, people loved that. Didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved it personally. Um, yeah, yeah. So we we come to thirteenth um, Doctor's regeneration scene, which I thought was beautiful. Actually, I thought mm-hmm. it was fan- it was underplayed. Yeah. Um, there was no again no sort of okay. The, the 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 score did start to swell a little bit as you would expect. It's uh, the actors leaving the role, um, but. It, yeah, I, I just thought it was—it was just lovely the, the way she sort of introduced the next Doctor, really. Mm-hmm. And she I just blow it was... up
2: the TARDIS there like oh, that. I no, exactly. Stuff, you know?
0: There's no need to do that every time, is mm-hmm. there? It's just—it was just a, such a not, it I just thought it was a, a, a lovely regeneration, um, which looked gorgeous as well. Um, mm-hmm. But apparently, the. I was going to say, Durdle weren't very happy about that, were they? So, they didn't, BBC didn't make it clear. <laughs> That's so they right. They were shooting
2: background plates for the de- regeneration. Oh, yeah. Fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Honestly, that is now my favorite regeneration like my absolutely favorite regeneration because i mean i have been sort of complaining all through modern who about companions and the way mm-hmm. that they leave so often is you know that no companion can choose to leave they have to be torn apart from into a, a parallel dimension or they have to have their mind wiped or blah 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 uh, or die and get their own tardis and yeah. go off and ha- have adventures and yeah. stuff whereas i I, I've always liked the idea that sometimes people just choose to leave for good reasons. And i that was one of the things I loved about The Power of the Doctor is that we actually get a companion choosing to leave for good reasons at the beginning of the episode yeah. like that was yes. amazing. So the yeah. fact so the fact that the doctor here has so much agency over her own regeneration meant a lot to me. It was sort of like a an echo of of my comp- you know the fixing of my complaint about the companions mm-hmm. but but with the doctor. She you know she mm. knows she's going to regenerate and she chooses to do it. Elsewhere, like she takes it outside the TARDIS, she takes it someplace beautiful. She she specifically tells Yaz that you know this is a thing that I need to do alone, mm-hmm. and and I I just the the fact that she had so much agency and control over the way that that happened I thought was beautiful, and the fact that it was not. Mm-hmm. A big bombastic speech like we've gotten from the last couple of doctors yeah, before yeah, they exactly, regenerated. Yeah. That it was just something that was so much more so much more thirteenth doctory. It was yes. it was a little bit quiet, it was a little bit a little bit sad, but also joyful and hopeful and beautiful and just it just made me happy it it, and not regenerations don't always make me happy um but this one really did because she just she got she got to choose Mm -hmm. she (laughs) gets a a woman deserves
2: to choose (laughs) yeah and she enjoys one last sunrise and it's just a a lovely metaphor you know
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah exactly exactly but i mean obviously um I i think it was a fitting end to, to her tenure um, mm-hmm. as the doctor. I think it was, um, okay, it was the, the power of the doctor was double edged sword. It, it had it, two things to do. It was a celebration yeah. um, of 100 years of the BBC, and it was also, you know, saying goodbye uh, to the lead actor as well. So I, yeah, okay, the plot didn't make a lot of sense. It was very <laughs> convoluted. It was just a big nostalgia fest. I didn't care. I was just having a good Same. time. Yeah. And I think that's what. Um, I think I think that's a, that's a good way to sort of end end your tenure. I think You're just having a good time, really, and yeah. the audience is having a good time as well. Because I mean, some of the, um, some of the, as you say, the Doctor Generations have big, big speeches, or they've been really put through the ringer. Um, you know, before they regenerate, that you know, the Doctor has to suffer all the time. Um, mm-hmm. This one, it, it didn't really happen that way, to a certain yeah. degree. She, I mean, she went out saving lives, really, which was. Mm-hmm. Which is what the doctor's all about. Um, mm-hmm. So I think if anyone thinks this isn't my doctor, well, yeah, it is and always has been. To be to be honest, yeah, yeah. So, but as this is the hoozy hoozy podcast, I can't finish um, a show on on being all positive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I do have to say the one thing I, I disliked uh, uh, all the way through was the console room, the TARDIS console. Oh really? I, I detested it.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't detest it, but I gotta say it certainly ain't my
0: favorite no, 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 I think what what is the crystal theme what what is that about um, and the console was too low. <laughs> and every time Jodie Whittaker went to the car, she was always bending over double to flick any switches. It just oh dear. And she's no. not tall. No, she's not <laughs> no, tall either. Exactly.
2: And apparently and like that... the, the the first season what, mm. like they had to regrade every single shot because the color of the crystal was wrong was on was wrong camera. It, on camera, oh, so they wow. had to completely so they yeah, so it to was me,
1: it felt like a huge mismatch like m- mismatch. Yeah. You have the doctor who is this character who is a little more, I don't want to say down to earth, but she's, she's a little bit better at relating to, to people and she gets together her fam and, but, and then we have this console room. That's this giant cavernous mm-hmm. epic dramatic i'm like that's not this doctor i just never understood it um yeah. it's, you know it is cool looking like that's the kind of thing that i would like to wander through in a museum but what i want to live there hell no
2: no I we no, never saw anything, a... anything of it past that console room which is kind of yep. rare for modern Who. yeah
0: yeah yeah mm. I, I just found it headache inducing actually so <laughs> no. Yeah, yep. It wasn't, wasn't wasn't my thing. It wasn't my thing, I'm afraid. Well, I think we've we've been talking about the Whitter, Whittaker Whitaker era, um almost about an hour and a half now, actually. So um <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 good. Um so guys, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. Uh and had and a little bit of a trip back through Joseph Whittaker's, Whittaker's tenure um in the TARDIS. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun and um also also I say open my eyes to some alternative thinking um about the show <laughs> as well so <laughs> that's always my aim <laughs> <laughs> so um so before um we we say goodbye um and as is customary in these situations would you care to um let everybody know about your respective podcasts
1: uh well uh, I'm probably In the Doctor Who world, mostly known for Verity, which is a a Doctor Who podcast with uh, six women from all over the world talking about all things Doctor Who. Uh, But the other Doctor Who podcast, which is maybe a little closer to my heart and a closer to home, is the one that I have with Stephen called Lazy Doctor Who, where we literally just sit on the couch, watch an episode or two or three of... uh, of Doctor Who, we started at the be- very beginning with an unearthly child and are working our way all the way through. And then as soon as it's done, we pick up a microphone. Well, Stephen has to hold the microphone. That's the his microphone. job. Yep. Hit record and just talk about our instant thoughts after, uh, after watching it. And uh, we've been extra lazy about it. I mean, Super it's, lazy. it's right in the title. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, hoping, hoping to find more time and energy and bandwidth to, uh, to do some more of that sometime soon.
0: Excellent. And Stephen.
2: Uh, I'm on Radio Free Scarl and Lazy Doctor Who and the Memory Cheats. Uh, I think on Radio Free Scarl, just as a plug, uh we're 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 embarking on our own uh Jody Whitaker era review episodes. I think we're gonna do two of them. Um just as Verity's done it, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago as a recording. And so yeah, every everyone's in the mood to look back at the the past five years of Doctor Who essentially and uh, and talk about it on a podcast. So uh, yep. that, that's what we'll be doing in the near future as well.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So, goers, thanks once again for for joining me today. Um it's always always a pleasure to talk to you. I won't, I won't leave it quite so long next time.
1: Good. <laughs> <That's> good. Yes.
0: <laughs> so everybody at home, um that's it for uh, this episode. Paul and I, or hopefully Paul will be back. He hasn't been on this podcast for it feels like years actually, but uh yeah, we'll try and get him try and get him back on the back on the show um in the coming weeks. So, until next time, everybody. It's goodbye from Phil in London. And goodbye from Stephen at Edmonton.
1: And Erica at Edmonton.
0: Goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you don't want to miss a show, please don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and if you get time please also give us a review. You can also listen to our podcast via our website which you can find at wwwwhos he podcastcouk and you can also listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Player FM and TuneIn. If you would like to leave us some feedback about the show, please visit us on our Twitter account which is who's underscore he underscore podcast and can also find us on Facebook just looking up the Who's He podcast Facebook group.